Morning, Glory America. It's Hugh Hewitt on Friday. I'm on vacation next week. There will be no Hillsdale Dialogue next week. But between then and now, please visit HughHewitt.com. Throw some dollars in the red kettle for the uh, Salvation Army annual campaign. Be generous. Tis the season to ring that kettle over at HughHewitt.com. And visit Hugh4Hillsdale.com for all of the Hillsdale Dialogues. Dr. Larry Arn is the president of Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale available at Hillsdale.edu. And last night his name came up. I was at the Yankee Institute uh, dinner giving a speech at the Yankee Institute. When was eulogized Lee Hanley, a great American, an extraordinary American. I was talking with Jack Fowler, who delivered this amazing eulogy, uh, Larry Arn, about people who do good by great institutions, as Lee Hanley did by many. And their eulogies are amazing when you do as much as you can for as long as you can for that which should be done. It really does turn out. I'm sure you've given a few of those. You and Jack could contend for that. But it's remarkable when philanthropists are honored. Yeah, well, Lee Hanley was a great man. I, I, my condolences to his wife, Allie. They've, uh, they've done a lot in their lives. You see, I met her for the first time last night. I'd never met Lee. And Jack delivered about a 15-minute uh, testimony, and I thought to myself, "This was a great man." I, I, I didn't know him, but but obviously you did. What a great man! He uh, he had a uh, he had a house. There's a there's an island called Fisher Island off Manhattan, and uh, I'm, this is the only thing like this I've ever done in my life. But he had a house on the point on that island, looking across to Martha's Vineyard, where I have never been. And uh, the house has got like a big turret on it, stone house. It looks like something medieval. And uh, so to go stay there with him for a weekend, which I did with Ambassador Shakespeare and a bunch of people. And he was so literate and uh, funny and self-effacing. And, of course, he lived a very gracious life. That That is exactly. Everyone should be able to have that said about themselves, no matter yeah. what your circumstance in life, that you led a very gracious life. I have to talk to you about, I had intended to talk to you about the hideous strength, that hideous strength today. We will postpone that till I come back because the news of General Mattis being named Secretary of Defense arrived, as did an explosion at my alma mater last night. By the way, I think you're on a speakerphone, which we just have to yeah, stop. Okay. Hold on a minute. Let me make some yeah, adjustments. You've got to make some adjustments. Honest to goodness. I worked with this guy for four years. Four years doing radio with Dr. Larry Arn, and we're still getting the echo. We're, we're training him. It's like training for Dr. Arn in, in modern is media. This, he, is this it, better? This is much better. Yes, it's much okay. better. So last, last night I'm at the Yankee Institute. Lee Hanley is eulogized. We talk about this. And I come out in the news of General Mattis being appointed as great. And then last night at my alma mater, Harvard, they had a breakdown, a complete, utter explosion I don't know if you've heard this yet, between Kellyanne Conway, David Bossie, Corey Lewandowski, and the 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 Clinton team. Have you heard any of this yet? No, no. Oh, I got I got to play for you a couple of cuts. This is the first cut. You've got to comment on this. Kellyanne Conway and Jennifer Palmieri. Cut number one. To be candid with you, the guy is an unbelievably brilliant strategist who is. Um, really a, a, a terrific guy who, as Kellyanne just said, uh, you know, a guy who has a Harvard pedigree uh, and is getting and is getting attacked okay. yeah. by people who have no idea who he is. Or what, Wait, okay. Well, no, I mean, we're, 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 no. we happen to be sitting here. But listen, he gets held to a standard that that none of these none of these other folks. Well, let me let me if providing if providing a platform for white supremacists makes me brilliant. Str- str- uh, 
a brilliant tactician I am crap. glad to have yeah, lost. Yeah, yeah, and one of Hillary, give me a minute, David. When I am more proud of Hillary Clinton's all right speech than any other moment on the campaign because wow. she had the courage to stand up. I would rather lose than win the way you guys did. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Yes. No, you wouldn't. Yes. Yes. No, That's very clear today. No, you wouldn't, respectfully. No. Rather, I'm sorry. So, how exactly did we win? Now, go this, for it, Jen. How exactly did we win? I'd like to know because I've sacrificed the last I, four months of my life to do it. Excuse me. And we did it. Thank you, Jen, do you think that actually, I, excuse me, she said white supremacy. Well, I would actually sorry. like to no, follow sorry. I know it's mentioned a lot on your website, too. Do you think I ran a campaign where white supremacists had a platform? Are you going to look me in the face and tell me that? It did. Kelly, I really? did. Oh, it did. That's how you lost. It did. Do you think you could have just had a decent message for the white working class voters? Do you think this woman who has nothing in common with anybody. I'm not anybody, saying that's what you won, but that's these counties we that flipped that over yes. 200 counties that President Obama won and Donald Trump just won. You think that's because of what you just said or because... People aren't ready for a woman president. Really? How about it's Hillary Clinton? She doesn't connect with he- people. How- what do you think, Dr. Arn? This was a meltdown. It went on for an hour and a half, and it got worse. I'll play you another cut. What do you think of that? Well, I think that they don't fully agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is... That is it. That's all we don't fully agree. They don't agree about things. If uh, so, what I think is a lot of this stuff reminds me to the lead up to the Civil War. Uh, and and you know, I don't mean to say that we're going to have a civil war, and I don't mean that that, that anybody here is pro slavery, except that is the specific allegation we just heard. Isn't it? Uh, yeah, yes, so, it is. It, you just you did you did not hear the first hour the second hour of the show and Van Jones joined me and that oh, is man. the specific allegation. Let me play for you a couple of cuts of Van Jones and I last hour talking about last night at Harvard. Cut number three, I think. When you talk to Trump supporters, do you think they're white supremacists? Do you really believe you and I sit together in green rooms? We're friendly. We would be friends if we spent more time together. Do you really believe those people in Trumbull County are white supremacists who voted for Trump? Uh, let, me, let me finish my point. You, 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 I, I'm going someplace. I told you both parties have problems that they won't admit, and you just did it. Um, the Democrats will not admit to their elitism and their failure to address the, the, the working class in this country uh, in terms that make sense. The Republicans are the party of colorblind meritocracy. That's their party. That's and true. That's be- and that's beautiful. But they have also created a space for a bunch of bigots to come in the back door, and they won't admit it. That that is not true. Van, what percentage, what percentage do you believe of the Trump vote is white supremacist? What percentage? Like, like, outright, like, we hate black people? Yes, white supremacist. Less than 1%. So, Dr. Arn, I I did get, I elicited an admission against interest there. But it gets it gets worse. But they are now waging this war, this rhetoric on the victory won by Donald Trump to delegitimize it and to avoid what it means. Well, the the uh, that's right to delegitimize the election. That's what all the stuff about the Electoral College and the popular vote is about. Uh, But it's I mean, so. And then that ties in to this argument, then, that a bunch of people who are un-American, all the deplorables understand, right? I mean, isn't that an amazing thing for a, yeah. for a presidential candidate to say of the people, right? And so, yeah, that's right. The, the, the point is, 
Hillary Clinton's supporters do not look upon the Trump campaign or movement or phenomenon as a legitimate part of American politics. That's exactly right. So that's why it's like the Civil War. And what Van Jones said, who, by the way, seems to me like a pretty good guy. He is. You know. He he uh, he loses control of himself, and that's why he seems like a pretty good guy. He really thinks what he's saying. Right? Yes, he's but sincere. What he he's just authentic. said is, you're not a you're not a white supremacist, but you've made a space for it. Well, what can one do except denounce that thing? Right? Which I white did. supremacy is a bad thing, and yep. and that's because color supremacy of all kinds is a bad thing, and if you denounce it then how can you be culpable for making a space for it? I, I, I don't know. In fact, let's play cut number two. This is more Van Jones. Oh, we don't have time. We'll do it after the break. But, Dr. Arn, what is going on in the post-election conversation at Harvard last night with Van Jones with me this morning on his special on Tuesday night is an attempt to paint with this brush the Trump victory even as he goes to Indiana and Cincinnati yesterday to talk about jobs in a depressed era. It's it's like a disconnected. And I don't believe it's civil wars because it's not a 50-50 issue. It's not even a close to being a 90-10 issue. What they're arguing is an opinion held by, I think, sincerely, less than 5% of the country. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm doing an interview with the New Yorker of all things this morning. What am I doing oh my goodness. today? But uh, but they want to like I I I think they want to ask me about somebody named Spencer, and so I don't know who that is. <laughs> so I looked him up, and I find out that he's some young fool. Apparently, if if what you read about him on the internet is true, he they, he and his supporters gave a Hitler su- salute to Donald Trump. Yeah, in the Ronald Reagan Commerce Building. We talk about this with Van Jones. They had 200 people there. That was all. Yeah. And they are extrapolating from that to the land of Lincoln. I just, I, sometimes I'm amazed by what we hear. More Dr. Arn coming up. It's an important moment in American history. It's good to be talking with Dr. Larry Arn. Everything Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. Stay tuned, America. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. The Republicans are the party of colorblind meritocracy. That's their party. That's true. And that's beautiful. But they have also created a space for a bunch of bigots to come in the back door, and they won't admit it. That that is not true. Van, what percentage, what percentage do you believe of the Trump vote is white supremacists? What percentage? Like, like outright, like we hate black people. Probably yes, less, white probably su- less than one percent. Thank so, you. It's but, but, way but, less than one percent. No, no, but but, but, here, but this, you're doing. I'm so you're doing exactly what the Democrats do. The Democrats, when I tell them, as an honest person, I know your values, but you have some people in your party who are betraying those values. They will not listen. And then with Republicans. I know your values, I know your heart, and I know you. But as an outsider looking at it, you do have a problem where the vast majority of Republicans are not racist, but you have racists have come into your party, and you're more angry at people like me for pointing it out than you are at these all No, I'm not. I, like, Dan, like, I'm 60. I've spent my whole life with Ronald Reagan and, and the party of Lincoln driving those people out, and we will continue to drive those people out. But if they cling like barnacles to your party, all you can do is denounce them. Dr. Larry Arn is my guest on the Hugh Hewitt Show. That's all you can do, Larry Arn. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a little bit, so 
So think of the Know Nothing Party. Uh, that That's a bunch of people who didn't like Catholics and didn't like Jews and didn't like slavery because it was black people and there might be more of them if there was slavery. And so those people voted for Lincoln. And a lot of them did. Lincoln never said a word about them except the denunciatory word, right? But he won the election. And then what happened? He got rid of slavery. And so the point, the the problem with what Van Jones said, and who I'll repeat, by the way, he cried on election night on CNN. And that made me think he really believed the things that he was saying, right? And... And he's not, in other words, it wasn't just calculated. He wasn't just uh, slandering people or denouncing people uh, lightly. But the truth is, what's wrong with what he just said is that people are responsible only for what they do, right? And you can't hold them responsible for things they don't do. And that, that, and so uh, he's the Republican Party, he was, you interrupted him. He was about to say, I think, he said the Republican Party is the party of colorblind meritocracy. And I think he might have meant that as a denunciation. Yes, yes, he did. I got to play for you. He intervened and said, that's right. And he said, and that's beautiful. I don't think that's what his point was. He was not going there, but I am happy to claim colorblind meritocracy because that's Dr. Martin yeah. Luther King's words. That's Lincoln's words. That's the Declaration yeah. of Independence. Let me play you one more Van Jones cut, Dr. Ron. Here it is. For you, it's not that big a deal that only 1% of the people in your party... Less than 1%. Way, way less than 1%. There are not... That, that's 600,000 people. 60 million people voted so for Donald Trump. Why is it more important for you to say because that? Now, you said that six times, sir, and I'm trying to tell you something. You're not listening to me. Because it's this not is- factually predicated. There is well, not. There are not 600,000 white racists in America. They put on a party at the Reagan Library, and they got two, at the Reagan building at 200 people, Van. No, no, two- no, well, first of all, that's just factually incorrect, what you just said. Not about the Reagan Library, but the Southern Poverty Law Center is pointing out, please stop doing what you're doing sir. The Southern Poverty Law Center is screaming, saying there is a big rise now in, in these neo-Nazi groups, and not just in the United States, but across Van, the, the West. Southern Poverty Law Center almost got people killed. They are themselves a hate-sponsoring group. They almost got people what? killed in Washington, D.C. The Southern Poverty Law Center about? is a, an extremist group. And Dr. Ryan, he did not know. I don't think he actually knew that the Family Research Center was targeted by a killer because they were put on the website by the Southern Poverty Law Center as a hate group. Mm-hmm. It's it, a hate it, group, yeah, yeah. And it's See, a family research thing. For that. Yeah, they are responsible for that, and and that you know they so in this in this way that we do politics today. The whole so it's worth stating what is the principle behind colorblind meritocracy? The color of the skin of a human being is not an essential attribute of the human being. Reason, good character, the moral and intellectual virtues, those are, and those are spread among the race. We are coming back to that key. It's a question of character, not color. Don't go anywhere, America. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. 33 minutes after the hour, America, it's Hugh Hewitt. The Hillsdale Dialogue is underway in extraordinary times in America. Dr. Larry Arn is the president of Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu. All of the Hillsdale Dialogues available at Hugh for Hillsdale. Dot com. When I come back from vacation, we will conclude our conversation about that hideous strength. But, 
Dr. Arndt, yesterday Donald Trump gave two speeches, one in Cincinnati, one in Indianapolis, both uh, one saying we will build a more inclusive America, another saying we're going to keep jobs here. Then he announced in the second speech that uh, General James Mattis would be his secretary of defense. Then a brawl broke out at Harvard last night. Uh, Extraordinary time. Uh, Aside, what do you make of bringing Mattis, who is a distinctive American archetype, to the forefront of his campaign, of his administration? Well, your friend of mine, Tom Cotton, was considered for that job, and uh, and uh, that was my favorite because I know him, and I don't know General Mattis. But Tom Cotton told me that General Mattis is a very great American. Yep. And so, I bet the I bet the appointment is super. And apparently, he's a very tough talking guy, of just the kind politicians don't like among generals. So. Exactly. The, he is Grant. I intend to fight on this line if it takes all summer, right? That's what Grant said yeah. when he began the wilderness campaign. And that's, that's what right. Trump wanted. And that is not the sign of, a, of an insecure man. That's an interesting thing about these cabinet picks. Betsy DeVos, who unfortunately was not my first choice for the Secretary of Education, but is a very good choice. My first yeah, choice excellent. I'm talking to. Uh, but But that is, we are not always happy with uh, the choices, but they are, in collective, terrific. They're terrific. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the direction of the thing. And, you know, I have some accounts now of uh, what it's like to go talk to Donald Trump. I've met him one time in my life. I, I haven't talked to him. But uh, uh, apparently he's quick as a cat. He's very direct. He's, he's not a bully at all. He, everybody that I know who's talked to Trump in the last month, just got there since the election, has got his, his socks charmed off, right? But above all, it's serious and smart and right to the point. And uh, I hear that uh, the point that, he that he's making so far, he's telling them, you got to go pick your people. And if you want us to pick them, we will, but you're going to have to run this thing. Well, that's the first principle of good management. And, yes, uh, it is. Yes, it is. He's, he stood I, up a I, lot of executive teams. That's what he's doing. And that's what you and, do, right, at the college. Yeah, that's what you do. That's right. And, and you, you know, you work with the people and you trust them and they don't regard their territory as their territory. They regard it as our territory, but they're in charge of it, right? And that way information flows and it can be shared and all of that. This is why I was not surprised, Dr. Arm, when he sat down with Mitt Romney, nor was I surprised that Mitt Romney sat down with him. And they both put aside, as did Lincoln, when he brought in Chase. I think Chase probably said the hardest things about Lincoln in the campaign of 1860 before the Chicago Wigwam. Am I correct about that? Was Chase the most oh, yeah. dismissive yeah. of Lincoln? And yeah. so he also, brought... Chase was a jackass. <laughs> yes, he was. Well, Romney is not, but I'm, I'm just pointing out that, right. that, that Chase was just a really terrible person. And then Lincoln said... You there? Come run my Treasury Department. Yeah, that's right. And they never, and you know, they never got on. And Lincoln put him on the Supreme Court, yeah. <laughs> partly to get rid of him, I think. But <laughs> but uh, he was he Lincoln was building a team, and he needed the strongest forces that wanted to keep the union together. And he was a big enough man to attract them. And I think that's the way Trump will be. Also, I noticed something, you know, walking. I'm in Washington, D.C. right now. And I noticed something on CNN, which I confess to watching sometimes um, yesterday. Uh, uh, Trump had his first 
this is the uh, the title at the bottom of CNN, his first post-election rally. And so what does that mean? First, that means it's an institution now. Nobody oh, ever it is. Oh, you're right. Presidents go, don't go have rallies, right, until, until it's time for them to campaign again next time. But Trump is going to have rallies, and everybody's adjusted to that. And so he's going to go out and make his case to thousands and thousands. And but are you worried about that? Because you know what will follow. They will see, you know, the word Nuremberg is on people's lips at CNN in the back room. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just guessing that. What will you say in response to that? I will say, of course, it depends decisively on what he says at these yes. rallies. And then I will go on and make a second point. And that is that in the very great and first English language biography of Adolf Hitler by Alan Bullock in the early 50s, he makes the point that after 1942, Hitler didn't have any more rallies. And the reason, he says, it's one of the profoundest points in the book, is that Hitler's gift was to stand in front of a lot of people and understand what they were thinking. And after 1942, Hitler could not bear to face them anymore. Oh, interesting. And, and, and so, yeah, and so, when, when, and so when Trump's rallies stop, he will have lost his political. If the president-elect loses his connection with the people that elected him, there will not be rallies. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. And see, another thing is it, it matters so much what he says. And uh, and, you know, he I don't agree with everything he says, but I do not believe that it is either despotic or racist. And if it is, then I am against it. And last yesterday, he said, we will build the most inclusive country ever. The most inclusive. That is so opposite of what people attribute to him. So opposite. And, and see, his, uh, his, he, like one of the reasons, and see, I think this is probably not true of Van Jones, because I think he might be, I mean, I, th- I don't agree with that man at all. But I think he's probably a straight guy, right? A, a, you know, means what he says, feels it deeply. Yes. Anyway, there's a way you're supposed to talk about the inner city. And Republicans are good at that because they want to be more inclusive and they adopt the language, right? But And they get too far away from this language that you have to treat everybody the same. And if there's people who are underprivileged and living in a, in a terrible area where it's crime and danger for everybody all the time – then the government ought to try to go fix that. But it shouldn't try to fix it because of their color, right? It should try to fix them because they are human and American citizens. Well, Trump talks like that. And he's been so aggressive about what he's going to do about the inner city. And now he's appointed this radical school choicer, secretary of education. And if you do a bunch of charter schools in inner cities, Hillsdale College has got three right now. If you do a lot of those and you let them, you know, and we think we know how to do them, we're in that line of work, right? But a lot of them will be different from ours, and then they'll find out ours are better, and then they'll change. <laughs> but but you'll be on a process of improvement, right? And that's what you got to go for, and Trump is all over that. And, yeah, yeah. Let, me, know, let me play for you because it feeds perfectly into this. The distinction between the left and the right uh, is, is, was articulated in the last hour with Van Jones and I. One more cut, the Cuba cut. Here we go. If we had 1% of our party 
going around saying we hate all white people, you would be saying Dan, you've got 1% of your party, more than 1%, praising Fidel Castro. Will you agree with me he was a tyrannical dictator mass murderer? Will you agree with me, Dan? Can we talk about our own country first? But but, no, this this is why the 1% rule with the Democrats is a problem, and it's not a problem. There are real Fidel lovers in your party. There aren't a real number of racists in my party. I don't know any any Fidel lovers in my party who are going around killing black people. And what we've had in this country, see, we we live in different bubbles. Don't forget, in this country in the past you know, 12 to 18 months, a white supremacist went and killed nine black people in church. That's true. And that was a major blow in our community. And That's when that true. happens, and then you have a major party candidate retweeting white supremacists, that lands huge for us. It lands huge for us. And then you guys minimize it and minimize it. Please stop doing that. Dylan I Roof know. is an evil man. And I can't say that enough. I was on, on with the Lake Gwen Eiffel the Sunday after that massacre occurred at Mother Emanuel, and everybody agrees about that. But not everybody agrees. Everybody who is normal agrees with you and I on that. But not everyone agrees that Fidel Castro is a murdering tyrant. Why dictator. are we talking about somebody else's because it go- Yeah, so Larry Arn, I am proud of what the GOP really believes. I'm not sure that Van Jones is proud of what the Democrats really believe about Fidel. Yeah. It uh if you can't see that guy for what he is, then what can you see? And if you can't say it quickly, if you can't do what I did about Dylan Roof, which is Dylan Roof is evil. Let's move on. Let's get to the point. He can't say that about Fidel because more than one percent of the Democratic Party doesn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that sad? And uh, and but that, you know, we started with this point this morning. The political divide is very deep and and uh, everybody was happy with the electoral system we had, everybody was willing to abide. The electoral system we have had for 200-plus years involving the Electoral College when they thought Hillary was going to win. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and just to remember about that, that it is one of the most rare and magical political feats to choose the executive by popular will, and then have the executive be strong enough to do the job, and yet still subject to the popular will. We talked about Hitler earlier, right? They got to vote for him one time, and then after that, votes didn't matter anymore, right? And so this political system we have, which spreads authority across the whole country, and means that the people who live in cities have to talk to the people who live in the country and vice versa. This political system is is held now in complete contempt on the moral of an election where their person didn't win. And that's shameful. It is shameful. And when we come back from break, we got to talk about this more because I do think what you just brought up is is the heart and soul of it. We are seeing... George W. Bush, in real time, in in your life and my life, in the lives of these conversations between us, we are seeing in real time the transfer of power from George W. Bush to Barack Obama and from Barack Obama to Donald Trump, and not a shot is fired. And by the way, Donald Trump will lay down his office either by defeat in 2020 or after re-election in 2020 in the same path if nature does not intervene. And that is a glorious thing, Larry Arn. 
It's uh, if it, one of the greatest inauguration. People should go read this because the first the inauguration is going to be on the west side of the Capitol, looking at the National Mall, January eighth or whatever it is, and that happened for the first time in 1980 when Ronald Reagan was inaugurated. It's always been on the east side before, where there's a big parking lot. Hold, hold that thought, Doctor. We're going to come back and tell them why that inaugural address matters so much. Don't go anywhere, America. I'll be right back with Dr. Lerine, president of Hillsdale College, except the hillsdale.edu. And, of course, over to relieffactor.com. Every day at this time, I tell you, if you are feeling the pain, if you are feeling the strain, if you are in any way uncomfortable this very morning because you are getting into the car and the hip hurts or you're getting out of the car and the knee hurts or you're going up the stairs and everything hurts. Your back is killing you. Try relieffactor.com. Put away the elite, put away the ibuprofen, put away the daily generic of whatever you use as an anti-inflammatory and try nature's anti-inflammatories. I take it every day. So it's a fetching Miss Hewitt. As do thousands and thousands of you. 1995 will get you started on relieffactor.com. The blue and green bag will arrive in time for Christmas and you will... Try it, and you will find out whether or not Nature's Pharmacy works for you. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with Dr. Larry Arn, except ReliefFactor.com. Stay tuned. From AM 970 in the good offices of The Answer in New York City, I am Hugh Hewitt. Stay tuned. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt with Dr. Larry Arn. We're about to tell you about the Reagan inaugural in 1980. But, Dr. Arn, I have to add, the, the meltdown is not just on the left. Last night, they had the meltdown at the Kennedy School. But before that, they had a dinner with 200 campaign operatives and journalists uh, and, a, and a panel that included Washington Post editor Marty Barron, AP editor Kathleen Carroll, Elliot Schrag, who's the vice president of comms at Facebook, Sasha Eisenberg was moderating, and Jeff Zucker was the target of all of these Republican operatives, including Carly Fiorina operatives and Marco Rubio operatives and Jeb uh, and Ted Cruz operatives. And they were angry at him because of the alleged favoritism that he gave to Trump. So the right is also not reconciled to what happened. It's not just the left. It's it's no. really kind of a massive meltdown going on. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had, you know, I, of course, I have a lot of friends in what we refer to as the leadership of the conservative movement of which I'm supposed to be one yes. a member. And, uh, uh, and I had somebody say, are you worried about populism? And I said, worried about it. Why? And they said, well, mobs with pitchforks. And I said, well, look, they're on college campuses all the time right now. I haven't seen anything like that at a Trump rally. <laughs> you know, and they're, they're uh, that's right. They And see, just remember this. This is just simple political arithmetic, and it's not dispositive, but it's the starting place. If you think that the world is divided into two kinds of people, elite people and ordinary people, then you have to think that who's going to save the country today is not elite people. They turn out they're the problem. You know, let's say you and I, Hugh Hewitt, are members of the talking classes, right? Yes. That's where the problem is. And you and I are a minority member. We're minority members of the talking classes, right? But we're out-talked by vast numbers who don't agree with us, right? But ordinary people, they have this claim. First is, their opinions are more solid than the opinions of the, you know, Bill Buckley said, the first hundred names in the Boston Telephone Book than the Harvard faculty, if you govern me, please, right? Yes. But the second thing is, under the principles of America, 
they have a right. That is to say, the constitutional majority must rule in America. And that's the first way we guarantee our freedom. The constitutional so, majority, which is the electoral the college. Majority. Yes. That's right. And How so are you going is, to educate your New Yorker person about that and about Reagan's inaugural address? I mean, you are facing a formidable challenge today. You're, I've been profiled by the New Yorker. I've spoken to them before. It was many years ago. Nick Lemon did it. And it was a fine piece, but they fact check everything. And, and you are not quick to make your point. You will require of them reason and argument. I'm not sure they're prepared for that. How are you going to get all this into that? Ooh, I knew Mick Lemon, too. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I, I will probably get across my central points unsuccessfully. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I expect the person is very intelligent. I am told that it's a good person and a smart person and not being hostile to me. And, you know, if they're calling up just to be hostile to me, they're wasting their time. <laughs> you but know, you know what's interesting, Larry, is that they're calling you in regards to the alt-right white supremacist. They're not calling you in regards to what Hillsdale does. And that is the problem. Yeah, well, the New York Times is coming to do that next week, I gather. But, uh, but you know, where they want to do a profile of the college, won't that be fun? But, yeah, I'm glad. Oh, and, good but Lord. I think this person wants to talk to me about Trump and, you know, why I'm for Trump. I was for Trump after the primaries, after you and I got out of Switzerland. Right. And they want to talk about the conservative movement and Trump, right? I think that's what the interview is about. I hope so. Oh, I hope that's and, it. I hope it's not about the alt-right. Because that yeah. is such a small, tiny percentage of America. They are amplified online. But it is a it is 200 people in the basement at the Reagan building. Why do yeah. we talk about them as opposed to the people who were in Cincinnati and Indiana yesterday who didn't go to that crazy and don't believe this evil stuff? I think that's right. I mean, if, you know, first of all, Trump is, you know, I, I think, and I started reading his speeches, right? And... What, what happened early on in the campaign was that when Trump talked about citizenship, that was conflated with racism because he, he doesn't think that people illegally in this country are citizens, and he doesn't think they should be allowed to continue to break the law or certainly not increasing numbers of them. And that is conflated. That means they're not the same thing, but you pretend that they are. Right. With racism. And and then he makes explicit all the time that he doesn't care about what color people are. And he and, you know, look at his cabinet. Right. He's got I don't think he has his Hispanic yet, but he's got his women and he's got his black person and they'll get more of those up at. It's very diverse, that. but that's not what he's picking on. I don't yeah. believe that's what he's yeah. picking on. I think he's picking no, on change. Not. I think he's picking on transformation. Dr. Larry Arn of Hillsdale College, hillsdale.edu. Have a great week, and I will talk to you in two when I return from vacation. Thank you, Matt. Good luck with those tickets. Merry Christmas. America, I'll talk to you in a week. Thank Adam and Dwayne when I come back to the You Do It Show.